Hey guys, it's your girl Charlotte Walker, aka the PDNP. The holidays are quickly approaching. Have you shopped for the dental or medical professional in your life yet? Nope? Well, we have the place for you. The Autonomy Store is an amazing new online boutique that offers both dental and medical apparel that will definitely put a smile on your loved one's face. The designs are amazing, the product quality is amazing, and the shipping is fast and easy. Check them out at www.theautonomystore.com. That's A-U-T-O-N-O-M-Y store.com. You can also follow them on Instagram at the underscore autonomy underscore store or on Facebook at The Autonomy Store. Now let's start the show. We've always believed in something called progress. It's time to get lit. What kind of lit? Health lit. That's what I'm talking about. It's time to get educated about health conditions affecting our community. Your health is very important. Check in with experts on important topics like breast cancer, diabetes, prematurity, and much more. This show is lit. No one should know you better than you. So lock in. Welcome to Your Health is Lit. Welcome to another Your Health is Lit podcast. My name is Charlotte Walker, a.k.a. the PDMP. This is Tiffany Flowers, a.k.a. the Mental Health Passionate. (laughs) (laughs) And my name is Eve Brown, and I'm a personal empowerment strategist. Yay! So we are missing our love, Donna Ray. Um, She had a death in the family this week, so we're sending all of our love and prayers to her and her family up in Jacksonville. Um, and she will be back next week, but we are going to hop into the show and start with our lit news. How's everybody's week going? Tiffany, what's new with you? It's been a real hectic week, um, but a good week. Good. Time. So, um, kind of got in my feelings on Sunday and I was like, hmm. We can either self-loathe or we're going to do something about it. So I did some self-care. Okay. Got around some good friends and went swimming. Okay. Um, which was even more rewarding because I can officially swim. And the last time they saw me, I wouldn't walk in four feet of water. So that was awesome. <laughs> and they dared me to swim on my back backwards for the whole lap. Now I think I could do it. But I did. Come through. <laughs> Come through now. Mm-hmm. So that was good. That was good. So I've been throwing in some self-care. And then I had an awesome workshop. Um, I just did a workshop about uh, mindful achievement at the University of Iowa um, College of Medicine. That went really well. So it's been a, it's been a good week. Awesome. Awesome. Eve, what's up with you, girl? Oh, it's been busy, busy, busy. Lots of babies were born on my job, and they they kept us running. They kept us running, and I worked six out of the seven days. Yeah, I did three in a row. Yeah. Had a night off, then did three more. I don't miss so. that. I don't miss that. <laughs> I don't miss that jazz. Um, I've had lots of shenanigans this week at work. Let's see. Um, had a mom come in today, baby was four days old, and she said unto me when I asked her how often she was feeding the baby, she said three times a day. And I said, oh, okay, well, what about oh. what about nighttime? And she said, no, like breakfast, lunch, dinner. Say what now? Uh, two ounces. <laughs> three times a day. 
Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. Um. So. Come on, post okay. Partners. I know. Come on. You bought the. You bought the. Education was lots of education was given today. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm, yeah. I'm gonna leave it alone. Yeah, just leave it alone. Leave okay. it alone. My nerves bad. That's why I have this wonderful glass of red juice here that I'm going to enjoy because my nerves bad today. Three <laughs> times a day. I said, "What about at nighttime?" <laughs> like I just thought I was confused. I said, baby, she need more than six ounces a day. Like, that's not, you starving her. Yeah. You basically, that's just an invitation said, for a failure to cry. I said, does she cry? Oh, yeah, she cries all the time. I said, that's because she's hungry. So, yeah, that's that's that. That's what that's about. So, just slight shenanigans. You know, I see some, I work in inner city, so y'all know I see some foolish stuff. So, you know, the 17-year-old girl that came in, she couldn't understand why she kept having you know, like vaginal issues and infections. And when we got down to the bottom of it, turns out her and her lesbian lover aren't cleaning their sex toys properly. Oh. And she's 17. So okay. I, sex health matters. Lots of education for me this week. And I'm ready for it to be Friday. So yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Um, so let's hop into lit news. Tiffany, okay. what you have for us this week? I actually got a warm fuzzy because I feel like the last few weeks we've been. Last week was deep. deep. It was yeah, rough. We've been counting out like real deep. You we know? were. We um, have been. I got a warm fuzzy today. Okay. So there was a firefighter who um went to plot a fire, get there, and this woman is in distress, but seems more in distress. What turns out. She's in labor. Oh. And so he gets the woman out, but, you know, it's apparent he has to deliver this baby. Hmm. So he delivers the baby on scene, um, takes the baby and the mom safely to the hospital. But the mom was kind of like, you know, a single mom and already struggling and saying that, hey, you know, I don't... I, I really wanted to get my daughter for adoption. Mm. And, you know, he already has, like, several kids of his own and his wife, but immediately he called his wife and they agreed to adopt a baby. Aww. So he adopted a baby that he delivered. That's awesome. Fire. Yeah. So, that is warm and fuzzy. That's a warm and fuzzy. I love that. I love that story. I've had, we've had a lot of kids, you know, when I worked in the NICU, there was a story similar to that. The um, the EMS worker that helped deliver the baby, the baby was really premature. He wasn't able to adopt. Well, he wanted to, so he was like fighting to adopt the baby. Um, and I think it's really dope when people come in and they love these babies. There's been a lot of babies that I wanted to take home myself. <laughs> so I think I think it's really dope, and that's cool that he got to deliver the baby. And even though you know, like he's not her birth father. Um, he'll be able to share that story with her. So I think that's dope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It was nice that they were able to to do that and get that facilitated so quickly. You know? Yeah, because it always yeah. doesn't happen that quick. Right. Okay, so here's my story this week. Tell me if you guys would do this. I don't have babies yet. But one day, Gadget. But I don't know. There's an article out. It says parents cannot monitor <laughs> teens with GPS ankle bracelets, and it looks like the bracelets 
that you get when you're on house arrest. <laughs> when you're oh. on house arrest. It says um, they usually, so most parents use like GPS monitoring through people's cell phone, but a local, um, so Clearwater is a city here in Florida. Uh, a local Clearwater company is now offering GPS ankle bracelet monitoring um, and making the team's locations available to the parents no matter what. Um, the owner said that he started it up uh, when a mother called asking for help that to find her um, daughter who kept running away from home. Um, okay. And the service costs about eight to ten dollars a day, depending on what you know what monitor you select. Um, it helps with runaways, kids doing drugs, skipping school, teenagers mixed up with the wrong crowd. Um, it says even if they try to saw on this rubber, we know immediately that they are tampering with the device. Um, they say a local boy here, 17, uh, who wasn't identified, said he wore the ankle bracelet at one point. I was still in cars, breaking into houses, so I had one on. I didn't like it. Sounds like, I sounds like he was on house arrest. Anyway, in some cases with the ankle bracelets, um, he recommends that the teens and parents get professional help for substance abuse and mental health issues. He also said that parents have to use, um, he also, parents also have used the monitor to keep um, teens, like to keep an eye on their teens that they feel are at risk for being trafficked. Would you, yeah. would you strap? Mama, as a therapist, yeah, because people- She said, yeah. <laughs> You don't know who was in my office this morning. I'm a therapist, baby. Right. The girl that's in my office this morning might be with a drug dealer, and she know how to drop that phone. She know how to sneak out the house, yeah. and her life is in danger. Right, right. You know, she's, she is very high risk. Right. So, uh, obviously, she's in counseling, so I agree with the fact that right. it alone is not helpful. Right. Um, and it needs to be some behavior modifications and aiding the parents on how to discipline um, and reward. Because uh, a lot of times the parents have just lost control yes. and they are struggling with defeat. Um, and so empowering the parents and that process. Um, <laughs> but you do have, you know, people, kids who are just out of control. Um, and though, you know, with other, like, like I said, People have used track devices on phones, but they cut their phone off and then it doesn't work. Right. Um, sure. So you don't know where they are. Um, you can't find them. And so, you know, you know, I didn't have teens when they find it, reach out to someone, they were sitting on top of a bridge. Yeah. So, you know, so it does have a, a place. Um, would it be my first intervention? Absolutely not. Okay. Um, but if you really have someone that's struggling, resistant through counseling, not you know, and just having a hard time, I definitely see it as a place. Okay. I agree. I mean, I definitely agree that there are some kids that come in my office like, you know what? We got this. What we gonna do? We gonna fix this? Like, <laughs> we're gonna know where you are all the time. So there's not as you know, like if they knew that they were being watched, they would be less likely to do it 
My question and is, and then the other people will be less likely because they tracking their whereabouts. So right, if they right. up here running, selling drugs, they gonna be able to say, "Well, you were here." Right, and th- so now it's evidence, so those individuals are not going to be around them. Right, right. Oh, your mama got you with that. Uh, that tracking right. device, so we can't hang around you. Mm-hmm. I definitely think that it's 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 an appropriate intervention to some you know, to some degree, like you said, it wouldn't be the first intervention. My question would be like, you know, how do we, I guess if they're already that wild, like how do you get them to agree to put this bracelet on? Like, it's, it's not choice. That's why. Yeah. So that's, but <laughs> I know, but they're already walling out. That, like, that's my thing. Cause I've seen kids in my office. Like, I'm not doing this. I'm a look, sir. While you're here, I'm in charge. I'm not even in charge. I'm in charge. Okay. So this is what we're going to do. But when they're at home and they have those parents who they, you know, the parents have lost control, how do those then those same parents go back and get control enough to say you're wearing Once again, you have to get them involved in counseling. So right now I have parents that I've said, I cannot continue counseling with your daughter or your son unless you agree to counseling. Okay, okay. Because I have to do a dual approach to that situation. Mm Mm-hmm. So once again, in those cases, both is family counseling that's needed. Right, right. I think it's a good idea, especially when you think in terms of like kids being trapped or kids running away. Um, there's so much time that's often lost with these kids um, in the first like, you know, 48 hours or so. And they don't, I feel like because a lot of them, because they are kids, they don't make sound decisions. And they are oftentimes at risk for either being trafficked or, you know, we find them dead somewhere. Um, So I definitely think that it definitely is a, it's a good idea. I just, I'm not sure how many parents would like willfully be like, yep, we're doing this. What'd you say, Eve? I I agree. I think in certain situations, circumstances, um, it's definitely warranted. (laughs) Of course, not for your, you know, average teen and the parents just overprotective of course not but for those you know high risk at risk kids yeah and even some of the kids who um who have a tendency to wander not because they're trying to run away but you know they have a um a condition where they just wander off you know yeah Yeah. because i there was a story a few years back about that autistic child in new york who like wandered off from school yeah and I don't know if they ever found him or recovered his body or anything, um, but it really like sat with me because because I have a sister who's on the spectrum, and I'm like, yo, like what if yeah. she popped and she wandered? So that's a good point. I didn't even think about like you know special. Yeah, things. yeah. Uh, my son is also, but you know, uh, thank God he does not wander. He doesn't even open the door. Um, but yeah, absolutely. It's too many stories nine times out of ten with autistic children. They wander off they find their bodies later they're not found alive so yeah or dementia even for older oh yeah yeah um alzheimer's like it's it's a it's a place for and the thing is if you intervene quickly once again hopefully doing prompt you know counseling intervention it's better than having the police have them on for real house arrest and if you go over such and such house now you end up you got a history Right. So right. it's also trying to keep people, you know, kids out of the system. Right. Because one of what research shows is one of the predictors of being in the system is being in the system. Right. So 
right you know, it's kind of like avoiding that whole cycle right yeah yeah man so this may be a thing of the future of teenagers i have a couple of kids in mind that i see in clinic that i'm like strap them up strap them up today <laughs> right cutting up cutting all the way up eve what do you have what lit news story do you have for us today Okay, this is what I have. Um, there is a young lady in Canada who um, has been cured of her sickle cell disease through a stem cell transplant. Um, yep, she's an adult um, out in Calgary, and she got some um, donor cells from her sister, and they are saying she is now cured of um, sickle cell anemia that she was diagnosed with as a toddler. So, you know, we all know that sickle cell is pretty painful. Right. Um, uh, just causes a lot of issues. So apparently stem cells have um, cured her condition. Yeah. yeah especially with a 100% match. Yeah. Yeah, that's dope. Like, that's mm -hmm. dope. And that is really a really, really good sign because sickle cell, you know, we did that, um, that talk back with Dr. Tania Austin earlier this year about sickle cell and sickle cell trait and i see a lot of these kids in clinic and it is an excruciatingly painful disease like a right. lot of kids suffer um and daggone it this week i had a baby um that i saw in clinic and i brown in the newborn nursery too so when i saw him and saw his records i just did not have a good feeling because both of his parents both carried the trait and i had to call the mom and let her know that he, like his newborn screen came back and he he had sickle anemia um mm. and so it just kind of gives me hope like when i when i saw that i was like oh yeah like this we need to get this over here in the u.s because there are kids that are dying from sickle cell crises um i think that it said something in regards to like um the sister like there was definitely a process so it's not like a one and done fix because i know i feel like a lot of times people are like well if it worked for this person why aren't we doing that in the united states it mm -hmm. definitely is it gives me like hope that you know we can start doing stem cell treatments but there's a lot of like radiation and getting matched and um i think it took her up like up to a year before she really started to feel better mm -hmm. um, and her like you know her sickle cell numbers are down and all of that stuff but it's definitely a good it's a good sign it has me excited because a lot of you know most people that have sickle cell disease are black kids um yeah <laughs> i'm like yeah like there there are some of the different races but it mainly affects african-american children and so if this is something that may cure it um i definitely am interested to see you know, as time goes on, you know, when this treatment will become available. And it makes me question if there are people who are going to um, Canada to get, to get the treatment done. Yeah. Yeah. Lit. I love it. We all had pretty good stories. Last I know. Morning. I'm so happy. <laughs> I hope y'all appreciate it. All our listeners. I hope you understand. Yeah, last week was like death rape and murder it was last week was heavy i was like i need something for this <laughs> okay so this month all of our main segments we are focusing on sexual health so december 1st is world aids day and we are taking it and running with it and just talking about sexual health in our community 
all month long. So our we're switching up the way we kind of do our main segments and we are gonna have everyone on our panel once a week is going to um, bring their expertise and it's gonna be dope because we all are dope women. Um, so this week, Tiffany is gonna be talking to us about sexual trauma um, in our community. And so we are so ready for it, Tiffany. What you got? We are ready to, for you to lay it on us. All right. So sexual trauma in and of itself is usually kind of a scary subject for people to want to talk about. Um, I do want to kind of give a disclaimer as this might be a, a trigger for some viewer um, listeners. Um, so um, if you need to either not listen to this one or come back to it later or get out um, your self-soothing um, things like your oils or anything like that in order to be able to listen to it, I will say definitely do that because uh, this can be a trigger. Um, but sexual trauma is more common than what we think it is and it's more simple than what society makes it. Um, sexual trauma is any sexual activity that's taking place without consent. And while we try to struggle with consent, or well, what is consent? Um, no is no. Um, and so there's some um, misconceptions about that. But while we can't play it here, I do want to make a um, reference. YouTube consent team. Like, it's an awesome little video that really just is so simple, but yet so profound and just explaining what is consent. Is it, it, you said it's called consent team? Consent tea. Like, tea. like give me the tea? No, like Earl tea. Green tea. That's what I'm like, right, like, give me the tea. Like, you okay, give me the tea. Okay, <laughs> yeah, give me the tea. I'm a little slow. I'm a little slow today. I'm a little slow. It's okay. It's okay. 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 We'll post that in the group. It's called consent tea. And it just breaks it down so simple, but yet so profound. So I suggest everyone to watch that, you know, whether you're adult, male, female, boy, little girl, all the way down. It's just that simple, but just that profound. Um, so you know, sexual trauma, it exists, but we don't really want to talk about it much in society, so I'm glad we're talking about it today, uh, but it affects kids as well as adults, so, you know, one in nine girls and one in one and one and 53 boys under the age of 18 will experience sexual abuse or assault at the hands of, of an adult. Yeah. So... Um, that's something definitely serious. Um, and 82% of all victims under the age of 18 are female. So that breaks it down to about one in six. And in particular, females between the age of 16 and 19 are four times more likely than the general population to be victims of rape, attempted rape, and sexual assault. So that's that, you know, late teens, going into college age that we really do need to be aware aware of and having resources available for prevention 
that lies on male prevention, not just focusing on women, right. um, and having those resources that this is that they know how to respond if they are a, a victim of sexual assault or someone comes to them as a, a victim of sexual assault. Um, and one, and as far as adults, um, as far as males, uh, male adults, um, one in ten rates are victims are, are male. So sexual assault does occur for you know women, men, boys, and girls. But overall, um, it does affect females more. But these statistics, just to really stress, it does impact males so this is why it should be not just a women's issue but just a, a societal issue that we need to to address um so this is why because um you know the effects of sexual assault is just life-changing um so the effects of childhood sexual assault could be last you know long lasting and affect men mental health so, you know, individuals who experience sexual trauma are four times more likely to, um, to become or have substance use disorders, um, especially as a sub I was doing substance abuse counseling, um, the majority, at least 90% of my caseload had some history of sexual assault or domestic violence. Um, four more times likely to have PTSD and um, also major depressive episodes as adults. So, you know, these things impact work, the ability to raise families, to raise healthy families. Um, so it, this, uh, this affects um, our society as a whole. But unfortunately, because of the kind of societal pressure or the taboo-ness, I know that's not a real word. It's a word today. It's up. a word today. Right, it is. It's one today, okay. <laughs> Um, is that people don't talk about it uh, and don't get help. So these numbers that I'm even giving you guys today are like underestimated. Right. You know, um, and what keeps, you know, especially with this whole like Me Too movement and things like that. And people are saying, why are people, you know, waiting so late? And it's, it's the myth, it's the, the narrative in our society of victim blaming and mm -hmm. um, not being receptive when victims come forward. Um, so I did really want to make sure that, you know, we talk about myth. You know, number one, it's not your fault. Right. It is never the victim's fault. And anyone who is listening to this, who has experienced sexual trauma, I want to reinforce it is not your fault. I don't care what you were wearing. I don't care what time of day it was. I don't, I don't care any of that. It is not your fault ever. Right. And whoever tells you that, they're misinformed. And I don't care if that comes from a parent or a grandparent, the church, or whoever you disclose to. Ooh. It is yeah. never, Ooh. never your fault. Right. Okay. And also the myth is that rape occurs from this man who jumps out of the bush. And that's not the case yeah. at all. Most not at all. sexual assault trauma comes from people that you know. Yeah. 59% of our uh, acquaintances, friends, you know, coworkers, 34% are family members. You know, so we prepare women and young girls to protect themselves against strangers when really 
who you need to be looking at, the eyes at, are the people who close to you. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it more difficult and right. even more traumatizing is because your trust was broken and you were violated by someone close to you. Right. Mm-hmm. Can I just add something? Is yeah. that, um, well, I want to add something and then I have a question. So sure. in my career as a nurse practitioner, and I've only been a nurse practitioner for about a year, I was a nurse for many years before that. Um, twice now, I've had patients come into my office and disclose to me. The mm-hmm. first was a young girl who came in with her mother. Um, and I think what made it so like, what was so sick about it was that the father had been deported back to Mexico. And I think the brother had been deported. So within their community, a man befriended the family, told them because the mom was working two jobs and, you know, was like, I'll help you watch the girls. And in the midst of this, he assaulted his niece, his own niece, as well as my patient. So the patient was a friend of the niece. And they were so afraid to call the police because they had this big distrust because their family members had already been deported back to Mexico. Um, That she was like scared to get her help. And I felt trapped um, because you don't wanna violate their trust, right? Like, so they've come and they're talking to you. Um, I ended up just calling it. Uh, CPI so that way they could like check on the mom and the daughter but I I sat in there and talked with her for an hour and we and we talked about that and just some of the reasoning um that this young girl she just she it was it was heartbreaking to watch she was just like I'm not I'm not a bad kid so I don't understand why this would happen to me and the the only thing that I've ever done bad is sometimes I stay up past my bedtime Mm -hmm. um it was just like it it did something to me. Then um, last month, I had a young man come in to my office. He was an African-American man. His cousin, he wasn't old enough to know what he was doing, but his cousin had him have sex with an adult female and mm-hmm. watched him. And he, like, he was so embarrassed like to even kind of tell me the story. And he just, he was really concerned because he was having... Um, He'd been off and on having some issues and wanted to know if it was like the residual of, you know, of him having this encounter. Um, And I asked, like, I was like pleading with him. I'm like, you know, it's okay for you to talk to somebody. Please let me send you to someone so you can talk and get help. And he was just like, no, I'm good. I'm good. I've cried about it. And I just, you know, I think a lot of it is having to come off of that victim blaming. So that way people should not be afraid to seek help when they've been victimized, um, mm-hmm. especially children. So the girl, Especially everyone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I feel like especially, especially children because I feel like we have a service to protect them um, because they're minors. So me being a pediatric nurse practitioner, like, yes, everybody has the right to feel protected, but we have a service as adults to protect these children. And I have seen where like teenage girls, they get assaulted and people want to blame them. They're, they're kids. Like an adult chose to do something to a child 
and we're blaming the child. That makes no sense, but we will turn around and tell that child that they don't make sound decisions because they're a child. Um, so it it particularly, I like. I'm just gonna have to add though, I'm sorry, cause just the advocate in me. So I should also say I was a domestic violence sexual assault advocate. Um, this is my specialty area. Is that to the listeners as a society, we have just as an obligation to protect our women and our men and any person that is a victim of sexual trauma. Yeah. There's no hierarchy. When as a society, if we change the narrative of that, then therefore we have more of a culture where people, number one, the, the per perpetrators are actually getting um you know, punished legally. You know, um, one of the saddest stories I have seen uh, when I worked in corrections, there was a guy that went to prison, did eight straight years, was sentenced to 10, did eight for stealing lotto tickets. Then I had a person who literally had sexual assault cases ranging from the 70s to the 2000s, never had a felony and did two years. Mm. Okay, that's the mm -hmm. narrative that we need to be changing to say that as a whole unit, as a societal response, that that woman still needed more than two years and that her violation was more than deeper than some lotto tickets. Yeah. And that's the narrative, you know, and that's what prevents people also from wanting to come forward because if they do come forward, they get slapped on the wrist. It literally was a case here in Iowa for a sexual assault case uh, for um, a young lady who was um, intoxicated to the point she was passed out. And he got probation with um, time served. Sure. That's the narrative that we need to change. So this is why um, people aren't coming out because they're saying there's no justice. Right. And so why go through this? So this is why when people respond, you know, the first thing shouldn't be, are they lying? Because it's way more to lose than it is the game as of now. And I believe that we're going to change this culture at this point. Right. So especially when we start coming to the fact that it's not the victim's fault, it's not somebody that's working behind the woods most of the time, it's someone that's close to you mm -hmm. and they still need to be taken accountable. Um, but you've mentioned like men and, and it is some unique differences, you know, that make men don't want to come forth or get help. And in particular, um, if men and men should know that if you have an erection while you're being raped, that is not a sign that that's something that you want or that that means that you're gay. Right. It also doesn't mean if you had an ejaculation or an orgasm, if you're female, that that meant that's what you wanted. It does right. not. It's right. just a physical response to um, stimulation. The body, and that's yeah. what the body does. It has nothing to do with consent. Consent is what you verbally want and express, um, not something that was forced upon you through a threat or intimidation or what have you. So that's a myth, too, that prevents people from coming forth is that, oh, I had this response to it, so now it must mean that's what I wanted. No. Once again, that is not what you wanted. It is not your fault, and you should get help 
and it's okay to get help and it's places to get help right um another myth is this myth that when you're being sexually assaulted the victim is going to fight back ferociously like you become like xena slash a mighty morphic power ranger <laughs> and you're going to destroy them um because we are taught a lot about fight or flight but right. what's not taught a lot about is fight fire freeze and so you have survivors um such as myself who froze and then thought it was my fault of that it wasn't rape because i didn't fight back mm -hmm. but freeze is a normal reaction also to sexual trauma and other forms of trauma so once again you did not give your consent and that is still trauma what happened to you um because that can be you know cause confusion but if you didn't give consent no means consent silence means consent um you definitely know when you want to be intimate with someone and when you don't want to be intimate um and here's another myth is um especially recently with like the news going around um is they telling women um specifically women um to not get a rape kit um because it's such a backlog but still get a rape kit. I know it can be traumatizing. And once again, uh, I would definitely suggest it's usually as they call sane nurses. Um, and you have the option to have an advocate there. Uh, please use your advocate. Your advocate is not there to judge you, not to tell you what to do, um, but they there can definitely explain things to you and get more resources as things go by. So know that you have the right to uh, an advocate um, and you still do want to get that rape kit um, and now um, they used to say if you didn't do it in a day I believe now is three days that you can get some evidence um, so if you do decide later on it's not something that you have to make right away that you do want to pursue uh, criminal charges that you do have that evidence any questions about that, ladies, or anything that kind of stood out? I definitely think that um, I have heard a lot. I've actually considered going to um, the same class, and it's something that I'm still um, considering. Just because, it's, that, it's a shortage. It's a shortage. Yeah, just because of where I work, mm -hmm. um, and with the experiences that I've had with those children, I just feel like I want to be better equipped. Mm -hmm. like, um, the population of patients that I work with they can kind of come into the office sporadically um and i feel like if i can capture them in that moment and i know exactly what to do um i would be a lot better equipped and so it's something that i'm still definitely um considering just to have you know the knowledge base to when i come in contact with these well for me it would be kids um, with these kids that I know what to do and know how to, you know, collect evidence and um, kind of help aid in the process a little bit, especially if it's a patient that I see frequently, I feel like they would be a little bit more receptive to, you know, a face that they're familiar with to be able to kind of help them through the process um, versus having to call someone in that they don't know, especially after the trauma, they may be a little less open to that. Um, I definitely agree that there's a shortage of advocates and of um, of people who just 
you know, are aware that this is happening in the in the community and kind of taking a stance. Um, I have seen more and more support groups coming out and like with things like the Me Too movement, it's definitely been a lot more in the news. Um, I definitely agree that, you know, even when you watch some of the fictional shows, um, like your SVUs and all of that, they, I feel like they do a, a pretty decent job of, in some of the episodes, just kind of showing the type of trauma that can occur with just going on, on like on the stand. So I think that what people need to really understand too is that when you're a victim of sexual assault crime, for the, not only does it take longer than a certain, you know, a certain amount of time for these women or children or whoever um, to, or these victims to heal, but to have this happen to you and then to get a sentence like time served, I feel like it's just a complete revictimization. It is. Mm -hmm. It is. Of these individuals. It is. Especially if they've had to tell this story numerous times to detective, to state attorney, to whoever, whoever. Um, They're constantly reliving it. And then for that to be the outcome, oh yeah, absolutely. It's definitely a revictimization. Yeah, because Eve, I know. And one thing I want to Oh, sorry. We had talked uh, big time about having us her story. That means that she's lying. Yeah. And what research has shown is that the traumatic brain does not store memories sequentially. Mm-hmm. It stores it in pieces. So it doesn't mean that she added something or he added something that they are lying. That's just how the traumatic brain works. So be patient as that victim, you know, does decides to share their narrative. Yeah, and I um, so that's just kind of talking about some of the myths, but yeah, you know, here's some of the things that we can actually do, and I, I did want to touch on that as far as how can we help survivors. You know, first of all, knowing that some survivors wait weeks, months, even years before. I have clients that you know she's in her fifties, and this happened when she was seventeen years old, and mm-hmm. I'm the only person that knows that this mm-hmm. happened to her. Yeah. Um. So whenever they decide to disclose, um, number one, just always start by believing the survivor unconditionally. I don't care if it was your favorite uncle, your favorite aunt, your best, the best dude in town, always just start off believing them unconditionally. And number two, remind them that it's not their fault. No matter what the circumstances was, it is never their fault. Um, and when the survivor does open up, the best thing you can do, you don't have to be a fixer, is just to listen. Because sometimes it's the first time they ever said it, or you know, or they actually feel safe to say it. So just let them, just listen and let them make their own decisions. Um, and respect the survivor's personal personal boundaries. Maybe they, they don't want to go um to report maybe you know they don't want to be touched or given a hug to be consoled whatever they want is so much more important that we respect their boundaries because their boundaries were violated in such a horrific way mm-hmm. and lastly i'm not last i got well it is gold provide information don't make their decisions and refer and i know charlotte kind of talked about that refer to a a, a actual um agency their their free services that will show up to you to with the police department i definitely highly recommend that 
um, because our police officers aren't trained how to deal with that. So definitely bring an advocate with you and you can contact the national hotline, um, which I'm sure we can probably repost too, which is 1-800-656-4673. That's 1-800-656-4673. Seven three, and I don't care where you are in the country. They'll be able to connect you with an agency that can help you provide you free services and counseling wherever you are in the process. Whether it was today, last night, or twenty years ago, there'll be an advocate there to listen to you. Yeah, that's awesome, and um, I know we have some resources listed on our website, and I'll definitely, Tiffany, if you. Um, shoot me those numbers. I'll make sure that we have the updated information. Um, I definitely think that this is a big part of, you know, addressing sexual health in our community. I think a lot of times that we like, we like to look at just like, you know, STDs and this and that, but sometimes these people that come in um, into clinic that, you know, they may be presenting with an STD, they could have been raped and just won't disclose. And now they have you know, they have these symptoms. Um, and so it's just always, you know, as a provider, I try to always be mindful if I feel like things aren't adding up. Um, just to kind of look out for some of those red flags. And also to kind of piggyback off what you said, Tiffany, both of those cases, um, the abuse had happened years before and they had just disclosed to their parents and then the parents brought them to me. Um, and so a lot of times they will, you know, they will hold on to um, that trauma. And a lot of people are dealing with it um, by them, you know, by themselves. And, and we are just here to let you know that you don't have to. And we, and we encourage you not to deal with it by yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I know, Eve, we were talking about... Um, that Kavanaugh case, yes, and you had some really interesting perspective um, in regards to the, you know, the Kavanaugh case and why it had. Well, you said it had to trigger. It had to trigger. I think it had the whole country triggered. I was. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think back to <laughs> what that, um, uh, what my my thoughts were on it. Um, yeah, it was definitely something that was uh triggering. I didn't follow, I didn't, like watch the hearing from beginning to end, but just hearing about it just as kind of like a news blurb, um, or just catching a hashtag on um social media, it was still um, um, pretty triggering, I guess, in regards to um. Dr. Blasey Ford just having to come forward after all these years and go through all of that again. And just again with all those same stigmas that, oh, she must be making it up. And like, like, no, no, not really. You know, you're coming forward years later. Um, there's a reason why, perhaps why she did not report. And that was another hashtag that kind of came that started to trend around that same time about why I didn't report. And there's so many reasons, like they didn't believe me or I thought I deserved it or I blamed myself or um, uh, because I've been drinking that night. Just so many different uh, emotions and whatnot just came up around that that 
whole time period. Um, yeah, and, and I completely agree. If someone says they've been sexually assaulted or even sexually harassed, to, yes, believe them. The first, the first thing to do is absolutely believe them unconditionally. Yeah, and I, um, to piggyback off what Tiffany was saying about, you know, that flight or flight or freeze, Yes. I will never forget when I was in the NICU, I had a dad ask me, like, he asked me to show him my breasts. And I, like, it took me a second, like, to just register, like, what, like, so what did you just say to me? Um, yeah. Yeah, and I definitely, and, you know, even though it didn't, it, it was, it was, like, it was sexual harassment, and I was not, yeah. With my job's response to it, um, they allowed him, like, you know, they wouldn't talk to him, the, you know, the floor, the charge nurse and the administrative supervisor, but then allowed this man to stay the rest of my night shift. Didn't even make him leave that night. And so um, he harassed me the rest of the time that his daughter was um, a patient in the unit. And we kind of came up with workarounds for it. And by we, I mean me and my other nurses who were very supportive of me. Um, but I was just very unimpressed with how my safety wasn't considered because we, I worked night shifts. So we parked in the same parking lot as the parents. And I'm like, this man like follows me to my car and assaults me. Y'all just don't know the type of, because I'm documenting all of this. Like, and it shouldn't, it shouldn't take all of that. It, it just shouldn't. So I can't even imagine, you know, to be, you know, to be actually assaulted and to have someone discredit you when you've gone through something like that, because I was definitely um, not, in, like, not impressed. And that was actually once I started, like, I started after that, I was like, you know, it's probably time for me to, to just get a change of scenery, because I wasn't impressed. And I feel like if you can't, if my safety and protection isn't your priority as an organization, it was time for me to go. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So Tiffany, what is the best way for, um, for us as a community, not even just healthcare providers, but us as a community um, to continue to support survivors, you know, after they've disclosed? Number one, um, I would definitely say connecting them with resources. Um, if you, if they don't want to access counseling services or, um, an advocate, um, there are online support groups that you can join. Um, there's a great book called, um, it's called Allies in Healing. Um, it's the substitute to the book, um, The Courage to Heal, which is an acclaimed, um, curriculum for survivors of sexual assault. Um, so I will get informed personally, and it kind of gives you ways of dealing with the vicarious trauma of having someone that you love get sexual assaulted. Right. So, you know, the person who gets assaulted, you know, the people who love them, you know, are violated in a way too. So, you know, this gives you ways to address your trauma from that. It gives you trauma-informed ways to be responsive um, and, and, and um, supportive. Um, and also, here's the big thing. Give them as long as they want, you know. Um, anniversaries, certain events, certain songs might come up. And it can be five years later, six years later. 
You know, I had people telling me six months after I was assaulted that, are you still thinking about that? Wow. Like, you know, just giving people time to heal. Um, it's a long, a long going process. Um, and also just as a culture, especially in the black culture of this, what happens in this house stays in this oh, house. Oh, yeah. yeah. We've got to get rid of that. That's got to go somewhere. Yeah. It has to go. And also, here's another one that I'm over. We have to protect the black man's fight. It's enough black men in jail. No. no. We're throwing that away, too. Throw them under the jail. If you did it, go to jail. Go to jail. Exactly. I, I, don't, I, don't pass, go. Don't, do don't collect $200. Right. Take don't your body to jail. We, so that's just, think, that's, yeah, that's a big thing. I saw a video the other day about that, and this guy was like, somebody tried to tell me, like, free little such and such, and they're like, he's like, what do they do? Oh, they may have went in, and it was a comedian, so he was trying to be funny, but he's like, they may have went in with a gun, and whoop-de-whoop, -whoop. no, 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 you don't whoop-de-whoop -whoop with a gun, sir. If he did it, send little such and such all the way to jail, throw him under the jail. Right. I'm all for, you know, jail reform, and I understand that the system isn't made for us and all of that. Mm -hmm. All of those things are true. That does not excuse when you cut up that because the system isn't for us that we should then feel like you don't need to pay your time. Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. And that we as black women should bear that burden. Yeah. They're not going to say the opposite, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so um, those types of things, dismissing that and just honestly being willing to listen and not judge and be there as long or whenever they need you know mm -hmm. i know my 10-year anniversary i was all fine and dandy but with for whatever reason that year was just a really rough year for me and i'm so happy that i had friends and family um mostly friends that was educated enough to know how to be supportive and also you know just like throwing away the myth that having a therapist is a bad thing yeah. Or going to a therapist for a while is a bad thing. Yeah. So go through tra trauma, especially complex trauma, several events. You know, you're going to be in counseling for a while, and that's okay because you deserve it. Someone took your choice away, and the mm -hmm. best thing that you can do for yourself is give your, yourself your voice back by caring for you. And so adopting that, you know, perception um, is definitely, and being willing to call people out. You know, we know of all the little uncles. I think it was one of the Kevin Hart jokes. I, I believe it was him. Could be another comedian. And everybody, well, you know not to go talk to uncle such and such. Mm -hmm. Walk it off. Walk it off. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's like, we okay it. But no, let's start yeah. calling that stuff out. Yeah. And being passive bad bystanders. Yeah. And so that's some concrete and even small things that we can do yeah. that can validate our women. Um, our girls, our little boys, and even men. You know, one thing that I feel like we need to throw away as a community also, and it's, I don't, like I said, I don't have babies yet, but I definitely plan on not. I feel like we sometimes force, um, particularly like children, to show affection to adults. I was just thinking that. Once you yeah. not. And I don't, it just, I don't like Yeah, it. I posted a whole article on that. Go go hug your Uncle Johnny. Like, no. Yeah. I don't want to hug him. He creeps me out. And I think I'm gonna be I'm gonna be quite okay with my kids saying, I really don't want to hug you. And that because yeah. that's the choice. Yeah. And that teaches them that I have right and I have the right to have consent over my body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think as a culture, we're like, oh, go sit on such and like, we're not sitting on laps. We don't know you. Right. Like, I mean, right. I know you, but I don't, I don't know you like that. So we're, mm-hmm. not, we're not doing that. Um, not forcefully. And, you know, I feel like just sometimes, oh, don't act like that. That's your uncle. But like, no, no, they're crying. Is it really worth it? They're crying now. Yeah. Um, I just think as a community, we need to throw that away. So. I definitely, Tiffany, we appreciate your expertise, and I definitely think that, you know, with this, with this month of focusing on sexual health, we would be, I felt like it would be irresponsible for us not to talk about sexual um, trauma and assault, one, because it happens so much within our community, um, and in our communities, and two, because I feel like there's not a lot of just talking about it, and what it looks like, and, you know, what to do after, and, like, dispelling those myths, so, Knowledge dropped. We appreciate it. We appreciate it. Um, so, ladies, we are getting ready to wrap up our podcast. Tiffany, what's your health win this week? Um, I went swimming. Yes. I went backwards swimming, and I didn't think I could do that. You're already um, breaking stereotypes. I, I won't get my hair wet. I'm like, nope. Girl, you, you can swim without getting your hair wet. I don't know that life. Well, you can. It's it's different strokes. It's called a side stroke that you don't have to get your hair wet. So my my instructor will come teach me every week, and her hair never got wet. So and wow. she's a white lady, and she didn't want to get wet either. So I need to I need her to fly to Florida. <laughs> and she was trauma informed because I had almost drowned like three times before. Oh, Lord. She was just so trauma-informed, and now I can swim. Yeah, I don't like water in my face. Um, I don't know where that came from, but I don't like it. Even yeah, when I, I get my like hair washed, I'm not careful. I was scared in three feet of water. So yeah. um, when I say it was a big win that I can do a lap by myself, and I can do it on my back, Tough You're getting a round of applause. Yeah. I'm so proud. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Eve, what you got? Ooh, health wins? Mm, I work night shift, you know. <laughs> but it could be health that you saw on the news, anything. So, what is your health win? Uh, you know, I did see an article um, a few days ago. It probably would have been good for the top of the segment. Um, that there was a baby born out of the country due to a uterine transplant. Yes, that was very I saw that. That's dope. Yes, yeah. I saw that. I saw that. So now so that, that, that gives women with some fertility issues, you know, it, it gives them a little bit of hope that it's something yeah, that could be coming down the down the line. And I think it wasn't long after the transplantation either. Like it said, like a year and a half after the lady had the transplant, a baby girl was born. Yeah. Look at you, postpartum extraordinaire. <laughs> you love uteruses and babies. <laughs> I, I guess so. <laughs> uh, my health win is that I am continuing to um, be down, down, down on my weight. So I'm drinking the water, minding my business, and not eating as many calories, and the weight is falling off. So I'm excited to be snatched in 2019. Hashtag oh. Goals, goals, goals. <laughs> so that is going to conclude this week's podcast. Um, we are so excited to continue our um, sexual health series this month. And as always, we will see you guys next week.